The Insurance and Injury Law Show, the number one, 888-990-9646. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. A busy, busy show today. Savannah, let's get to it. Uh, the week that was, some cases have been coming across your desk, yeah? Right, uh, mm-hmm. John. And as usual, it's been an extremely busy week. Uh, and, and, you know, people need to know that we handle claims across the province, all over Ontario, uh, all the way to uh, Ottawa, uh, to the border with Quebec, and all the way to the other side with uh, Niagara Falls. I mean, really everywhere. People are emailing me and using the uh, injury calculator, the My Disability Questions website, Really quite a lot. So let me tell you uh, about a few cases that came across my desk. Uh, The first one was an interesting situation. It's a couple uh, that uh, came to see me because the wife uh, was cut off long-term disability July of last year, 2016. And so they go to a lawyer who handles LTD cases, and they sign up with that lawyer in August. And we are now, what, in March, John? Yeah? Yeah. No claim has been issued yet. There's been a back and forth, consistent back and forth between the lawyer and the adjuster, the insurance company. And you know what's interesting? I met with them for probably about an hour and a half. And what I gathered from there, first of all, is they didn't know what the process entailed. They had no understanding of where they were in the process. They didn't think that a claim had been started. So there was no communication with the lawyer or proper communication. They thought that the wife's claim was weak. And I can tell you right now, by just looking at the immense amount of medical documents they provided me, she had an excellent case. I don't understand why the insurance company cut them off. But then again, I say that about 95% of cases that come across my desk. Uh, so, you know, really they had a great case. And you know what I told them? I said, you know, one of my associates, Albert, uh, recently got retained on an LTD case to help uh, this nice lady back in October of last year. And guess what? About a month ago, he resolved that case. They right. hired that other lawyer, this couple that came to see me, back in August of last year, and a claim hasn't been even issued now. I mean, that's absolutely insane. Yeah. It's insanity. By the way, to boot... Guess what? That lawyer charged them $1,000 for disbursements just to cover some expenses. And again, you know, different lawyers do things differently. The way that we practice is if you come to us and we tell you you have a good case, whether it's personal injury uh, or long-term disability, if I think it's a good case, you're not paying anything up front. And I can tell you that most of my colleagues who do the exact same work that I do operate the same way. So, you know, it's just one of those things where, again, people come to me for second opinion, and I'll tell them what I think. I'm not going to tell them to switch lawyers. That's not what I'm here to do. I'm going to tell them, though, what I think about how their case is progressing. And it irks me. It really makes me angry. When I see a good case, I see people suffering, and the lawyers, for whatever reason, are not moving the case forward. And there is no reason, no good reason why it's not being moved forward. So that was just something I had to get off my chest, John. Uh, let's, uh, <laughs> let's start with a few questions that were submitted to uh, this website that is free uh, and people have been using it across the province, mydisabilityquestions.com. So I'm going to read some of those off and I'm going to answer some of those questions. Uh, so this person, his name is Sean from Dryden, wrote on March 9th, I am off with a newly discovered heart issue, been a paramedic for 14 and a half years, Blue Cross paid me finally after three months of being off, but has now cut me off. I have my physician's notes saying I need to be uh, off two more months, but Blue Cross won't listen. My doctor even called them, and they still don't care. What can I do? And again, I get this a lot. You know, people ask me, what can I do? My doctor has told the insurance company, has written to the insurance company that I cannot work. What can I do? Well, 
listen, stop beating a dead horse. The first thing you did, which was correct, was use that website, mm-hmm. mydisabilityquestions.com. And of course, then we got in touch with this person, with Sean. And we can help Sean. We can help Sean and many people like him. Once the insurance company makes a decision that for whatever reason, they are not going to approve your long-term disability claim or they're going to cut you off, and you don't feel that that is right, right? You just don't, you don't know what the law is. You just know that it's not right because you cannot go back to work and your doctors are supporting you. Leave the insurance adjuster alone. Call me, email me, let me and my team deal with the insurance company. The only thing that gets, their off the, gets them off their butt the only thing that gets the insurance company active and really seriously look at resolving your claim for what you really are owed is if they get a claim on their desk. And a claim is the start of a legal process. Why? Because once we do that, they can't ignore it. They have to abide under the rules of procedure. They have to actually get their defense lawyers involved. And that means that they now have to spend money on the case. So once they start spending money on the case, Now they're thinking, okay, well, how do we spend the least uh, amount of money on the case? How can we resolve this case in a way that closes it, right? So we're going to pay whatever we're going to pay, and we're going to cut off this liability for us. And this is what really what we do at the office. We create this liability, this risk, this exposure for the insurance company. Because as as, as long as you yourself, as as a regular person, as a citizen, as long as you are trying to deal with the adjuster and with the insurance company yourself without us or someone like us, the insurance company is going to play the odds. They're, you're going to just give up and walk away. one 9646 is that number. And Savannah mentioned it already, mydisabilityquestions.com. Check that out. What else you got going on before well, we take a quick break here? Okay. So we had this uh, interesting lady who was also on LTD. And this lady is a custodian. And uh, she was terminated by her LTD insurer. Uh, just after about two years, because they said that she wasn't following uh, medical recommendations. She wasn't taking medications properly, and she wasn't attending medical appointments on a regular basis. Now, you know, John, this idea that people don't follow doctor's recommendations, I've seen this time and time again where insurance companies cut someone off, and in the denial letter or the cutoff letter, uh, they, they literally itemize all the times that they've spoken with this individual and all the notations of the medical files where it states that the person wasn't complying with whatever, with, uh, you know, taking a certain drug right. or going to a certain treatment. And, and you know what? You know what I do, John? I always sit down with the individual, the individual against whom these allegations are made. And there's always an explanation. Rarely are you going to see someone not trying to get better. So in this case, this lady had difficulty with some of these medications. These medications, she was having an allergic reaction to them. Right. And so she was actually looking for alternatives. You know, and, and when she had difficulty... <clears throat> sorry, attending various medical appointments, it wasn't because she wasn't trying to. She had issues. She had mobility issues. She had psychological issues. She couldn't. She had issues, right? And, and, you know, when we frame it like that and and when we explain away these inconsistencies, when we start the claim and it gets fleshed out, guess what? The insurance company then says, okay, got it. We hear your side of the story. I don't know why they didn't hear it before. Let's sit down and try and resolve the case. How much money is it going to take to resolve the case? And this is where, again, we come in. We have to create that narrative. We have to explain that to the insurance company. And we do that by starting a claim and forcing the insurance company to the table. 
one 990 is the number you'll want to keep on you at all times to get a hold of Savannah. You can email us, help, at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to a few of those in just a bit. And mydisabilityquestions.com. You have a question, you can ask it there. Chances are it's been answered and asked already, so go through and uh, have a look at that. Lots more of the Insurance and Injury Law Show coming straight up. Talk Radio, AM 640. one 990 is the number to get a hold of Savannah anytime. The Insurance and Injury Law Show right here. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. So what else is going on over there? Okay, well, we have another question that was submitted to the MyDisabilityQuestions.com website. This is from Jeremy Paisley, back from uh, March the 8th. He wrote, I've heard this, uh, sorry, I've heard that insurance companies tend to search for ways to terminate LTD benefits after two years, especially for professionals with high incomes. Is there any truth to this? Should I be worried? Well, the answer is that I can't give you uh, you know, scientific proof for this, but I can give you anecdotal, uh, right. you know, evidence, so to speak. And I can tell you that certainly the stories have a lot of similarities when I speak with people, particularly professionals with high incomes or just generally people with high incomes. We're talking about into the six figures easily. And, you know, if you think about it, let's let's just consider what's what's going on here. I mean, the insurance company is paying a lot of money in LTD, they are, they're trying not to pay a lot of money. One of the ways not to pay and to make more profit is to cut you off. So then we're going to look, they're going to look at reasons to try and cut you off. Yep. That's not to say that someone with less income, uh, you know, <clears throat> goes under the radar. No, not necessarily. But clearly, if you are getting a lot of money from the insurance company, you know, then it stands to reason that the insurance company is going to try and get you off their books. So what I told Jeremy and, and, you know, we had a private exchange afterwards is that it would make sense for you to keep in touch with me and to let me know if anything happens that doesn't make any sense or anything happens that gets you worried, such as the insurance company starting to talk to you about going back to work, even though you're not ready, such as the insurance company asking you to see one of their doctors which usually sets you up for some kind of a report that's not favorable to you. Which you do have to do anyway. Which you have to do, exactly. But my point is that as soon as the insurance company starts moving on your file, meaning they're starting making motions, the adjuster is calling more often, emailing you more often, asking more questions, more updates. They're circling the wagons. You got it, exactly. It's it's like vultures circling around you. (laughs) So so really, you have to make sure that you you take care of yourself. Don't, Don't bury your head in the sand. Understand that... It's your claim, and as soon as you see these danger signs, contact me. Maybe we can avert the cutoff. Maybe I can tell right. you what to do in certain situations that will make your case stronger and would make it unappetizing for the insurance company to cut you off. And again, especially if you're, you know, you really are under the weather, not feeling well, and in no mental state to deal with an insurance company, once you get involved, that contact is done. They have to well, absolutely. You, right? as, as soon as you formally retain me and my team, right. you're not dealing with the adjuster anymore. Yep. It's just me and my team dealing with the adjuster. So you're not getting those phone calls. Nice. You're not getting those emails. It's the best part. It's the best part because you can focus on your health and getting better. Oh, well, the best part until the payoff at the end, but that's, that's a completely well, different yes. story. Right? But, the, but the point is you don't have this anxiety. Yeah, right. That 100%. comes along with having to deal with the adjuster. One triple eight nine nine zero nine six four six. What else is happening with you? Busy. It is. It's an extremely busy uh, time of year. So again, this is another long-term disability claim. This one is a person from Ottawa. Uh, th- they um, um, got onto LTD February of last year. They were cut off January of this year. She was given a letter from the insurance company stating that she was being cut off because they believe that she's able to go back to work. 
and she cannot go back to work. She has cognitive issues. She has depression, ADHD. These are all diagnosed, by the way. She has a psychiatrist. Uh, She's provided letters from the psychiatrist, from the family doctor, etc. You know, John, here's, here's what she did. She tried to appeal it. She tried to appeal the denial. What do you think the outcome was? Denied again. Denied again. Exactly. And again, I'm very careful to say that not 100% of appeals fail. But again, anecdotally, people who come to me and tell me stories, my God, 95%, sure. 90%, 99%, I don't know what the rate is, but why would you do it? Like, I'm, I'm telling you, and in fact, if you were to talk to anyone, any lawyer who specializes, who, who specifically practices in the long-term disability field, they'll tell you these appeals are useless. They're useless because you're appealing it to essentially the same people who cut you off in the first place. We're going to be able to help this person. Not an issue whatsoever. She has very strong medical documentation. All she had to do, which she did, is contact me. Ignore that invitation to appeal the denial. And chances are she'll get an invite to appeal again and she'll get denied again. That's right. And the process progresses. And of course, a few months are lost or half a year or a year or whatever it is. And by the time all is said and done, she's exhausted mentally, financially, emotionally. Right, and that's really what I think is is the strategy here. It's to to really tire people out, because somebody who's been appealed, you know, who, who's 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 appealed the denial twice, they start second guessing themselves. Well, maybe I'm not that uh, yeah. disabled. They should know. Maybe my doc, yeah, maybe my doctors are wrong. Maybe I should be able to go back to work. You know, no, no, you know if you can or cannot go to work. Certainly in conjunction with what your doctors are telling you, if you feel that you cannot go back to work and your doctors are saying the same thing and they've put down their opinions on paper, you should not be cut off or denied LTD. Well, they're playing the odds too, right? They're, they're that exactly that. People are not going to bother after a couple of appeals saying, you know what, forget it. I'll just, I'll, I'll do something else or find another avenue because I'm, I'm off. That's exactly true. Right? Exactly. We'll take a, a short break. one 9646 That's the number you want to keep on you. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to an email probably here in the next segment. In the meantime, stick around. Lots more of the Insurance and Injury Law Show coming straight up right here. Talk Radio, AM640. one 9646 is the number. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. If you haven't checked it out, go to fightformyltd.com. We'll speak about that here in, uh, in just a little bit. Fightformyltd.com. I mean, that website is absolutely fantastic. It's very simple. That's the genius of it. It just allows people to just go to it who don't want to necessarily call me or call a lawyer, but they want to know, do I have an LTD case? Does my friend or my family member or my colleague, do they have a case? And so all you do is you go to that website. First of all, there's some information, some myths about LTD, uh, some tips, some, some just really interesting stuff that you can get there. And then on the right side of the screen, you essentially answer five simple questions, and those questions, those answers, get sent to me directly, and I will tell you if you have a case or not, if it makes sense for you and I to speak. Maybe I'll need a little bit more information depending on what you put in there, but those five basic questions allow me almost instantaneously to tell you if you have a case, an LTD case. You know, this is not brain surgery. Insurance companies want to, you to think that, you know, taking them on is such a huge endeavor. You know, it's like, I don't know, building a shuttle to Mars. It's yeah. not that difficult. None of this stuff is difficult. It's very technical. You have to have technical knowledge of the law. You have to have experience. And patience. Patience. It, it helps that I used to work for insurance companies, right. so I get what they're doing. I understand the psychology. And again, listen, I, I got to tell you, 
not every adjuster, you know, I'm not going to demonize all adjusters. I'm not going to say that defense lawyers are, are these bad people. They're not. They're all people who have jobs to do. It's a job that I used to do myself, and now I don't do it. Many of my friends are still working for insurance companies. Yeah. I have lunches with them. We talk about interesting cases. So I understand where they're coming from because I used to do the exact same thing. When you go onto that website, fightformyltd.com, you're taking essentially the first step to figuring out whether you or someone you know or love has a valid case. And what are you investing? It doesn't cost anything, but it allows me to then tell you fairly quickly if you have a case. And then you make a decision if you want to pursue it or not. If you don't want to pursue it, you've been cut off, you've been denied LTD, you don't want to pursue it, that's okay. That's your decision. That's money you're leaving on the table. Money that the insurance company is going to be more than happy to keep. Money that's not going to go to your family and you. It's your decision. As long as you know what your legal options are, I've done my job. Let's get to an email. We'll bounce over to one. You send one. It's help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Mark says, my uh, sister, who is 58 years old, slipped at a local shopping plaza sidewalk because of black ice last week. She broke her arm in two places and sprained her left ankle. She has a a physical-type job at a local winery and can't go back, obviously, at this point. We're wondering if she can get compensation for her injuries and what happens if she can't go back to her full-time job for uh, for quite a while. Well, Mark, thank you very much for emailing me about your sister because clearly uh, she suffered very bad injuries here. I mean, to break her arm and to sprain her ankle when she has a physical job, I've seen, known, and advocated for many, many people in those circumstances. And you know, John, it's, it's not that it's the broken arm that hurts. It's, it's what it does to your spirit that you can't go back to work, that now you need other people to help you. Uh, and, and, you know, for people who are very independent, it really, really takes a toll. So let's deal with the actual uh, uh, legalities here. So sh- she, she uh, slipped and fell as a result of black ice. My number one question mark would be, did she take any photographs or did someone take any photographs? Were were it you or someone who was with her or someone perhaps who came right after that she had sent to that location? Very important to have photographs of the area of the fall to show the hazard, to show if there was any salt that was put on there. Uh, The second question I have is, what kind of footwear was she wearing, of course? And, you know, the other types of questions I would ask are, well, okay, What are the doctors saying in terms of prognosis? What treatments have been recommended? And of course, very, very important, this happened on a sidewalk. My understanding is uh, the shopping plaza sidewalk. We have to figure out if this sidewalk is city property property or or not. Because if it's city property, under the Municipal Act, you have 10 days to notify the city clerk of the fall. You don't want to be outside of that 10-day window. There are some exceptions to get around that notice period provision, but you don't want to have to deal with that, uh, with those exceptions and with that argument. So very, very important to notify the city clerk as well as, of course, the plaza's owners. So what we typically do, Mark, is we send a letter out to the city very fast, same day, as well as to the owner of the property. We figure out who the owner is, and we ask, who else is responsible for this area? Is there a winter maintenance contractor? Is there a property management company? Or a subcontractor Subcontractor. subcontractor. You got it, exactly. Very, very important, because all of these entities are going to have insurance. They're all going to have insurance companies, and those insurance companies are the entities we're going to end up negotiating with compensation for her. Now, you're asking what can happen if she can't go back to her full-time job for a while? Who's who's on the hook for those uh, damages? Well, one of the uh, neat tools that we're going to talk about a little bit later on the show is the injury calculator, yeah. injurycalculator.ca, where you can actually go in and uh, 
plug in some information and figure out what kind of pain and suffering damages she could be looking at as compensation. But then how do you deal with income loss? How do you deal with other out-of-pocket expenses? Those are things that I can speak with her directly uh, and, and, and I, you know, I can advise her and, and let her know. Because, of course, if she's off work for a more prolonged period of the time, then the compensation for that income loss is going to be greater. So we really have to make sure that everything is done correctly. All the T's uh, you know, are, are, are crossed. All the I's are dotted. Really make sure everything is done properly and move fast. Plus, she works at a winery. You can't go to work. That sucks. <laughs> That's right. That'd be awful. That's That'd right. That'd be awful. <laughs> we'll take a, a quick break. We'll get to that injury calculator, as mentioned uh, moments ago by Savan. one 990 is the number. The Insurance and Injury Law Show Talk Radio, AM 640. one 990 is the number you keep uh, anytime, all the time when we're not on the air. That's how you get a hold of Savan. You can email as well, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And you mentioned it last segment just near the end, so let's get into it uh, before I have a question about social media. Uh, and that is the injury calculator. Love this tool. The injurycalculator.ca, we created it a few years ago, my team and I, and what it is is it allows people to go into that website, on that site, uh, and input a few key pieces of information. Literally takes you 25, 30 seconds to go through. Uh, you basically indicate what kind of injury did you sustain, what date was the accident, who was at fault, because clearly if no one was at fault, then you can't get compensation. But if someone else was at fault, then yes, you can. Uh, you know, the, 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 the severity of the injury, if it's a fracture, for example, did you have surgery for it? Are you having chronic pain? And it applies to anything, really, a head injury, a back injury, a knee injury. It's a click-down menu. So you're not really typing much or anything at all. And at the end, what the calculator does is it scans through a database of legal cases uh, and results that we've inputted based on the various criteria that you've been selecting as you've been going through the calculator. And the calculator then tells you that based on Canadian case law, meaning from across the country, here's what the courts have said that your injury may be worth in dollars. And of course, that's only for pain and suffering. Right. So if you, for example, if you've suffered uh, an ankle fracture, you literally click that, you know, uh, lower extremity, ankle, fracture, you put in the other information. You're not putting your name or your number or anything no, like it's that. anonymous. Anonymous. You're putting all that information, and then at the end, the calculator will tell you, based on our review of Canadian case law, here is the range. You know, it can be, let's say, 30000 to $60,000 that you may be uh, entitled to yeah. or owed for your pain and suffering. But remember, it doesn't talk about other types of damages, like income loss, out-of-pocket expenses, uh, compensation for family members who have been helping you because of your injury. Yeah, These if, you're, if you're a that, bicycle courier and it's you got a broken ankle, hello. Exactly. Right? I mean, the damage, absolutely. And, you know, I've had cases where the injury itself was worth, you know, $30,000, $60,000, but the income losses were in the six figures, yeah. easily dwarfing the pain and suffering portion of the claim. So really important. It's just a starting point. And what it does at the end is it allows you to contact me directly if you so choose. So there's no obligation. If you just close off the browser after using it, I would never know you were there. But if you click in that you want a consultation, then I get that directly, and then we start the dialogue. Pretty smart. one 990 is the number. Again, fightformyltd.com, and that was the injury calculator at injurycalculator.ca. So you got an injury claim going on. You're on, uh, you're on long term. Uh, should you be careful what you post on social media? Because you know social media, generally Facebook, looks uh, shiny, happy people, right? That's exactly the, exactly the case. And I can tell you, remember I said that I have lunches occasionally with my friends who still work 
for insurance companies. Not a lunch goes by that one of my friends is not telling me about this amazing uh, social media post that they've been able to pull for one of the claimants that they're defending a case against. You know, you have to be careful. Yes, uh, it's true that what you put up on Facebook may not necessarily um, uh, rep- represent. For your yeah, case, right? yeah, and it may not represent you know the, the struggles that that you know you're mm-hmm. having, and it, it shows you really in a positive light. But you know, understand that it's all about perception. It's about perception, and if at the end of the day, the perception based on the posts and the photographs and everything you put on there, not just Facebook, but you know the other social media platforms. Sure. If at the end of the day, the insurance company gets a hold of those things and they can present a picture that potentially could be detrimental to you, right? To show, look, this person is going fishing. Uh, they've helped their friend move houses, you know, and yet they're saying they can't go to work. They can't do anything. You know, they're completely disabled. You have to make sure that you are very cognizant and aware of what you post. Again, I'm not saying that you lie. By no means should you lie, but just be aware that now with social media out there, you can Google anyone, and what you uh, extract from the web, insurance company will use that against you. So just be very, very aware of that. How about, uh, you know, you mentioned, of course, if, you know, you're off on disability, especially a physical injury, uh, and, you know, you've, you've bought pictures, like you said, of helping your buddy move house. But what if it's partly a physical injury, maybe a psychological component? And I guess you could say maybe it was doctor's orders that you pull some pictures of, uh, you know, you're relaxing on a beach in Cancun. I mean, it looks like you're having the time of your life, but you're getting away from the stress. I mean, that's, most people would say that looks really bad, but does it necessarily? Well, yeah, because it still looks bad. I mean, mm-hmm. you can provide the letter from your doctor that explains this away. Right. I mean, I, I'll give you an even better example. I've had people who told me, you know, uh, I, I have to go to this place in Russia or in Israel to the Dead Sea, you know, that people have been talking about the fact that it has healing properties sure. uh, with all the salt and minerals. Yes, I get that completely, and I'm not saying you shouldn't do it if you think it's going to help you. At the end of the day, uh, your, your uh, medical well-being, your health trumps everything. But just be aware that you if might, you are you might posting, have a fight in your hands. Y- yeah, the insurance yeah. company is going gonna, is gonna to take that. And, and by the way, it's not that the adjuster doesn't understand you. You can have an adjuster or a defense lawyer that understands exactly what you're saying because you know their mother or father was in that same situation. Yeah. But their job mm-hmm. is to use those social media postings against you to minimize the value of your claim. And trust me, if they know what they're doing, they will do it. And I used to do it as a defense lawyer. So all I'm saying is that be cognizant of it, be aware of it. If you are going on vacation because you think it's gonna help you, that's great. If you are posting photos from that vacation and the insurance company gets a hold of those photos, it spells problems for you. Greg writes in, says, I've been denied long-term disability seven months ago and got a lawyer shortly thereafter. My lawyers keep uh, writing back and forth with the insurance adjuster and tells me that he'll start a claim soon, but he's not telling me when. Is this normal? It's irritating. Huh? Well, oh. yeah, and you know, it's a catch-22 with the last question. So the answer is yes and no. So yes, it's normal in that many, many lawyers and law firms do operate this way. They simply take their time or they think they can persuade the insurance company uh, that you are right and you know that, that, that they should reverse their position. And no, in that I just don't buy it. I don't have patience for this anymore. That's why when we start a claim and I get an adjuster on the other side asking me for a waiver or for more time to prepare a defense or to assign it to a defense lawyer, my response is no. (laughs) You have a certain time that's allotted to you under the rules of civil procedure, get a lawyer involved, then I will deal with that lawyer. And if that lawyer says to me, I need 10 more days to file a defense, fine, then, you know, I'll deal with that lawyer. There's professional courtesy. 
but I'm not in the business or the habit of just waiting around while my clients are suffering. And, and by the way, John, I mean, we're talking about f- not just physical stress that these people are under, my clients, yeah. but immense financial stress. Remember, they have kids, most of them. Uh, you know, they have mortgages, they have expenses, they have, uh, they have to buy medications. Where are they going to get all that money from? I think it's unfair for a lot of lawyers to simply take a very laissez-faire approach. You have to be aggressive as far as I'm concerned. You have to work within the boundaries of the law, but you have to really expeditiously advance your client's case. one 9646 is the number. We'll get back to more of your emails and some questions about expenses when we return on the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM640. one 9646 is the number to get hold of Savannah anytime and help at the insurancelawyer.ca. Got a uh, question for you. This comes in via expenses. It says, legal claims can be expensive. You have to pay the courts, the doctors, the experts, so on and so forth. It never ends. Who pays all that? Do your clients have to pay anything up front? No, absolutely nice. not. And, and again, remember, different lawyers and different law firms do things differently. And I'm not here to lecture other lawyers. I've seen some lawyers do things the way I do it and the way my firm does it and other lawyers who do their own thing. Just like we, you know, when we started the show and I talked about that LTD case with the lawyer who had charge these individuals $1,000 as an upfront retainer to cover some expenses. My philosophy is just very different. And, and frankly, the majority of my colleagues do exactly what I do, which is this. If I tell you you have a case, and I'm telling you that I think I can be successful in, your, in, in advocating for you and, and, and prosecuting your case and getting the insurance company to bend and to pay yeah. what is rightfully owed to you, then as far as I'm concerned, you shouldn't have to pay anything until the end, until the check comes from the insurance company, you get paid, then I get paid. And again, I'm gonna reiterate, there are different lawyers, different practices, there's nothing wrong with some lawyers doing things differently. It's just that the way we operate, I don't think that the person who's just been cut off and denied LTD, who can't even pay their mortgage, let alone their medications and whatever expenses they have for kids, should worry about paying whatever I need to pay the courts or the doctors or whoever, no. I'm here for you. My team is here for you. We are essentially your shield as well as your sword. You shouldn't have to pay for that until the end. Maria writes in, says, I've worked uh, for over 28 years at a bank, and about a year ago I was diagnosed with a nerve disorder that is getting worse. My doctors say I can't work, and my neurologist wrote the insurance company, but they still think I should be able to do some of my job functions and have denied my claim. Can they just do that? They say I can appeal the decision but I don't know what else to give them to change their minds. Well, we've talked about the appeal, Maria, about yep. 5,000 times already. So, <laughs> no, you should not be appealing that decision. Yeah, no. uh, it's going to be useless. Uh, but, you know, you're asking me, can they just do that? Can they just tell you against your doctor's advice uh, and recommendations and opinions that you should be able to work? You know, it's interesting to me how when I look at some of these letters, these deny letters, uh, and, and I see adjusters saying, you know, you should just be able to go back to work. I mean, they don't say it like that. They really try to make it look like it's sophisticated, right? Oftentimes, they will uh, uh, have their own doctors review the file and so, you know, lean on the opinions of their doctors. Look, at the end of the day, you know if you can do your job or not. You know if you can do any other job for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience. And you know if your doctors are supporting your disability, It's very rare for me to see doctors, my client's doctor, saying this person is disabled for life. Usually you see that with paralysis type cases, right? So, you know, doctors try to be fair. So for these doctors 
most of these doctors that I interact with daily, for them to say, look, your client, my patient, they cannot go back to work at this point in time. And for the insurance adjuster, case manager, whoever it is, to simply ignore that or to substitute their own opinion for the treating physicians, I don't think that's fair. And frankly, they know it's not fair because as soon as they cut off the person, the person comes to me and we start a claim and we get through the process, very, very quickly the defense lawyer tries to resolve the case because Mm -hmm. these defense lawyers are very well trained. These are the lawyers who work for insurance companies. They know exactly how this is going to play out if this ever sees the light of day in court. They don't want to be there. The insurance company doesn't want to be there. So they understand that they need to settle the case. We'll take a uh, short break before we get to our last segment here. Another email, some more questions about slip and fall are, uh, are on the way. You want to get a hold of uh, Savan Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca is the email. If you haven't checked it out, go to the injury calculator. That is injurycalculator.ca. And the number, anytime, one 990 The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM640. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. Help at the insurance lawyer.ca. Chad writes in and says, uh, My sister was crossing the street three months ago uh, on a green light, was hit by a truck. She broke her knee and suffered a concussion. She's not working and her family is taking care of her at home. Apparently, the doctors are saying that her concussion is pretty severe and her employer is now saying that he'll have to let her go if she can't go back to work by the end of the month. What can we do in this situation? Wow. Well, Chad, certainly you did the right thing by emailing me. And uh, John, you can identify already a few issues here. Big time. It's not just the injury uh, aspect here, the insurance aspect, the benefits she may be uh, owed here, compensation. It's the employment aspect. And we see this quite a lot, both with LTD cases and with injuries. Remember, people, uh, we have lawyers at the firm that handle not only personal injury and disability, but employment, and we work hand-in-hand. Hand. And, you know, it, it's it's quite interesting to me. We have employment lawyers outside the firm that refer to us injury-type cases because we have lawyers, right, the people yeah. I work with that deal with injuries in LTD. And then we have injury lawyers that I know who refer employment cases to us because we do things, everything we do in-house. So, Chad, to answer your question with your sister, first of all, if she was a pedestrian and she was struck by that truck, there is an immediate reverse onus, meaning that that truck driver has to prove that he or she is not negligent by hitting your sister. I don't know what the circumstances were of the actual injury. Hopefully the police came. I mean, this is a serious accident. So there's going to be a a, a police report, which I would like to see. The fact that she's not working and her family is taking care of her home, she's, she's owed a lot of benefits from from either her own insurance company, if she has one, or the truck's insurance company. And she has a claim for compensation. She has a concussion. What's Mm -hmm. a concussion? We've talked about that before. It's a brain injury. injury. And apparently you're saying, Chad, that they're saying the concussion is pretty severe, which is very, very concerning here. Because a brain injury that's severe, I mean, the ramification could be life-altering, right? So we need to get some more information, but we have to move on this very quickly on several fronts. So what are those fronts? Number one, We have to deal with the employer. Number two, we have to deal with either her insurance company for accident benefits or the truck's insurance company for accident benefits. Number three, we have to deal with the truck's insurance company for the tort compensation, which is the pain and suffering component. And everything above and beyond, her own accident benefits insurer will not pay. Right. I'm talking, I'm giving a lot of information here, but what's important to understand here is that many times these kinds of cases are loaded. They're loaded with issues. And you have to have someone helping you and your family that can deal with all of these issues. Because if you don't, 
you stand the risk of losing here and there. And the here and there are can be significant compensation. So it's very, very important, Chad, that I meet with you, your sister, the family, as soon as possible so we can go up through everything. And at the end of the day, you guys decide how you want to proceed. But as, as long as you know what all the options are, you know what uh, compensation she's looking at, then I've done my job. And, and I can move on, you can move on, or we can work together, wh- whatever you want to do. one 9646 is the number. We'll get to this as we uh, wind down here. You slip and fall, you get injured. Who's responsible for all those out-of-pocket expenses you just mentioned? Physiotherapy, uh, you got doctor's visits, loss of income. The, the list is practically endless, right? That's right, yeah. And, and it can be significant compensation you could be entitled to depending on the injury. And the answer is that it depends. It depends on who's at fault. You know, half the people I speak with during the week on slip and fall cases, I'll tell them, look, you have no case. You fell down the TTC steps because it was a little wet, because it was rainy. Well, what can the TTC do about that? On the other hand, you went on some property and, you know, they fell to salty area and it was full of ice or sheets of ice everywhere. Well, clearly there is potentially some negligence there against whoever owns the property or whoever failed to maintain it. So the first point of analysis with every slip and fall case to me is who is at fault? And it's not that there is always someone at fault. That's very important to understand. Sometimes no one is at fault. Sometimes it's just an accident. But if someone is at fault and we can establish that they're at fault, then their insurance company is going to get involved and they're going to start looking at who they can blame, whether that's a subcontractor, whether that's a property management company or whoever else. So that's not your problem as the injured person. That's my problem as the lawyer. But it's important for you, the public, to understand that not every injury, not every slip and fall is going to immediately mean that you get compensation. We have to go through the analysis of who was at fault for the injury, for the accident. Now, if it's some uneven sidewalk, I mean, then again, it goes back to the city. You got 10 days to make the call and, and, and file a claim. It can be yeah. an uneven sidewalk. It can oh. be, you know, uh, a height differential, right? right? It can be a pothole. Absolutely. Anytime right. you have these kinds of defects, 100%, the argument is that they failed to discharge their duty to make sure that the pedestrians using that walkway or sidewalk are safe. Until next time, there's some contact numbers here I want you to uh, keep on you. It is one 9646 That's a number to get old Savannah anytime again. one 9646 Email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And if you haven't checked out the injury calculator to find out what your pain and suffering component could be, it is injurycalculator.ca. Fight for my LTD. That's one. A couple basic questions. Five actually let you know where you stand on an LTD case, and you can send all the information right back to uh, Savan. Fight for my LTD.com. It's a lot of information, but uh, keep it on you at all times. Until next time, this is the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640.